This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, mindful listeners. Thank you once again for spending part of your day with us. Listen, if you've heard me before, you all know that I think food and diet uh, is foundational in this wellness and health community. And it is one of those things that is confusing, though, because it can be so much in our country. Food can be used, yes, as medicine. It can be used as a drug. It can be used as comfort. It is social. It's so many things. So today I have Jennifer Allenbeck. She is a food addiction coach and a recovering food addict who has devoted her life to speaking, writing, and coaching on this debilitating disease. So Jennifer, I'm just going to bring you on because there's so much here to talk about. Uh, When you talk about this debilitating disease of food addiction, I hear you because I, I run across this so much in my practice. So what is actually, can let's just break it down. What is food addiction? Food addiction is characterized by an obsession with food, an obsession with weight, and loss or control over the amount eaten. That's really what characterizes a person who maybe might have a little weight issue or has always fussed with their food and their weight. But when you're talking addiction, you cross that line and you now have an obsession with your weight and with your food. And it's pretty much constant. And so, all right, let's get into it. How does it work? Like, tell us, I mean, because you obviously, this is, this, is, this is coming not only from your knowledge, but this is coming from your experience. Yeah, it, it definitely is. This was my, you know, I found food very early, and I was very um, aware of my body and my body size and very insecure about it. And I was fishing for food in my friend's bread boxes and in their pantry closets. And a good friend was one who had good snacks. I loved sweets. And I, you know, almost all my childhood memories revolve around food, what I didn't eat, what I did eat, what I wanted. And it just, this, you know, addiction is progressive. It doesn't go away. And it just gets worse if it goes untreated. And I never had a healthy relationship with food and until I was 45 and finally learned that I had a serious allergy to sugar and flour, which were highly addictive foods for me. So when I put sugar and flour in my mouth, it automatically sets up a physical craving and a mental obsession that must be fulfilled. Mm. And it's it's brutal to live like that on a daily basis. It's painful, never mind the weight. I'm maintaining a 75-pound weight loss for over five and a half years now. But, you know, constantly worrying about my size. I hated getting dressed in the morning. I was always, I've tried everything. I put shots in my belly. I took pills. I did all the diets. You know, nothing worked because most of them, involve restricting or they are all about sugar and flour. Many diet products have sugar and flour in them and they are sure. very addictive. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's where we got really fat as a nation on our fat free, uh, sort of phase because what did they fill that flavor with? Uh, a lot of flour and sugar, just like you're talking about. I think your work is so important and your story is so important because, you know, when I, as a naturopathic doctor and as a, as a clinician, obviously what people eat, what they don't eat is extremely important to informing me about their 
clinical condition and where we want to get, what their desires are. So it's everywhere. It's foundational in my practice. But the other question I do ask folks besides, hey, how do you nourish yourself? What, what do you eat? Is what is your relationship with food? Because I am well aware that you know, we can have any protocol out there about, hey, this is how you can reverse diabetes or, hey, this is how, you know, there are things that you can eat for help to, helping depression and, hey, this is great. But if your relationship with food is so, pardon the non-medical term, cattywampus, and you have an, an addiction or an allergy or something that you are completely obsessed with, then all of that stuff is secondary. We have to, you know, I always say, okay, the body has an innate ability to heal, right? So we always have yeah. to be looking for things that are in the way. And in my opinion, when somebody has a food addiction, it's it's where we have to start. It's in the way of perhaps somebody progressing in their other desires when it comes to their health and wellness. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's 100%. It's just like a drug addict or an alcoholic. If they're going to proceed in any area of their life, they've got to stop their addictive behavior there, get some clarity, get cleaned up so they can get back into a normal, balanced way of living. It's just, you know, you've got to start with the food. But here's the interesting thing. I know as a clinician and a doctor, I'm sure you run across many patients who are overweight and, you know, possibly obese. Um, The thing is, with food addicts and most addicts, we lie. We don't tell you the truth because we're so ashamed. I had somebody share a story with me how she went on such a major binge that she got so physically ill that her husband had to take her to the hospital. And they were doing all sorts of tests on her in the ER. And she never told them, you know, I'm here because I binged my face off. And this is just a byproduct of everything I ate. There's really nothing wrong with me. I just... You know, it was unbelievable. And this is what happens. You know, food addiction comes with a tremendous amount of um, shame. Sure. And uh, a lot of deceit. People don't sure. tell the truth. Yeah. They don't want to tell you. It's, it's embarrassing. You know, do you know how much somebody has to maintain and eat to be 250 pounds, 300 right. pounds if they're yeah. on a 5'4", five, 5'5 five, five frame? That's a lot of daily food. Yeah. Well, and probably in secret, right? So, and you know, I, I think Mostly, that yeah. I know that I've had this experience with folks before where they run across a checklist of, hey, do you think you have a problem with alcohol? And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, uh, I checked off most of those. I think I might have a problem with alcohol. And guess what? I didn't realize it. So, you know, food is so, I mean, is is such, is something that we is everywhere and it's on a daily basis. So how do people know, I guess my question is, if they are a food addict or not? Um, I think you do know when you're a food addict because it's really, um, it, it encompasses the obsession with food and weight and we, our behaviors around food are not quote unquote normal. We've dug food out of the garbage. Let's say we had a really big binge um, at six o'clock, right? And we are disgustingly sick by 10 p.m. And we've eaten, so we have leftover binge food. We throw it in the garbage. We're getting rid of it, and we swear off food. We would bet a child on it that we will never touch it again. And maybe two hours later, maybe the next morning, we're back in there digging that food out because we have to have it. Now, granted, that is the extreme, and there is a large spectrum. But it's, it's what are your behaviors around food? And honestly, basically, ask yourself, does it affect you on a daily basis? 
does being overweight or worrying about your food constantly, if that's, that's the way your thinking is, that's really not normal. It's not a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. Not and a I healthy relationship. We've also, yeah, I think also as a nation, we really don't even know what to eat and how to eat anymore. It's just, yeah. um, there's so much information out there that people that are truly suffering don't even know where to turn. Because keto and all the diets, they know that they don't work. And they're, 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 they just don't know where to go. And those are my clients. Those yeah. people who have been struggling with this for this for so long, and they just need somebody to guide them to say, this is what you eat. This is how you do it. This is how you'll have a balanced life, and you will get your life back. You know, most morbidly obese people, if they've been morbidly obese their whole life, their lives are very tiny and very small because food is their lover, their best friend, their confidant, and yeah. they spend time with that. They don't have huge relationships. Right. Yeah. So as you said, unhealthy relationship with food, but also probably not a great relationship with their body, not a great relationship with their environment, not a great relationship with the people around them. Because as you said, the mm -hmm. life can get pretty small when they're dealing with an, an addiction like this. And, you know, and I know it's like, I, I feel like I call this guidance overload because there is so much information and, you know, there are yeah. some conditions and, and that, I mean, especially in the circles that I run in, like the ketogenic diet is so wonderful for folks that are prepping their body to have, let's say, um, conventional cancer treatment. Um, there are, there are applications mm -hmm. where certain diets, um, can affect a physiological change that we need and we can apply it in that way. But when we're talking about overall in general, um, <laughs> weight loss. And I, I agree with you. I think people don't know what to do anymore. And it's a boomerang effect because they go and try something and it just whips back with not only perhaps, um, not working, but also gaining more weight. So what are some of the foods yeah. when it comes to food addiction that people, um, are find particularly troublesome? I mean, you mentioned sugar, you mentioned flour, what else? Which is basically in everything. The most addictive food is pizza. Yeah. And up there with ice cream and chocolate and all the all the all the regular crap that people eat, you know, fast food is highly addictive. So basically, sugar and flour is in everything, and that is a very hard pill for some people to swallow because they cannot imagine giving that up because their life would just be over. But what about fresh vegetables and fresh fruit and Fresh protein, like I tell my people, if you just want to make it simple, stay away from bad boxes and cans as best you can. Right. You know, start there. Um, you know, I have a thing on my website that says, see if you can identify food with the following statements if you want to see if you're a food addict. And it's you've dug food out of the garbage, you hide your food, you lie about what you eat and how much, you eat when you're not hungry, you eat in isolation, you think about food and your weight all the time. You go from one diet to the next with no lasting success. You want to stop eating, but you can't. You use vomiting, exercise, laxatives, et cetera, to get rid of the binge. You eat to numb out. You exercise excessively to control your weight. All those things, and, and I have more on my website. You can go and check it out. That sure. These are behaviors that food addicts do. So, all right, because you mentioned, I mean, certainly, um, fresh, fresh foods, like just whole foods um, and vegetables and fruits. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it sounds great when you say it really fast, right? But if somebody has an addiction, yep, 
the food If somebody addiction. has an addiction, you've got to draw a hard line. You don't say to the heroin addict or the, the daily drinker alcoholic, you don't say to him, just do it on Sundays. You have to draw a hard line. That's how I got recovery, and that is how I help people find peace around food. Is you've got to say, you know what? When I eat these two products, basically processed food, because sugar and flowers and everything, I, this is what happens to me. I just want more. My brain wants more. And addicts go from they like the salty to the crunchy to the creamy to the, to the hot to the cold. I mean, they just keep going and going until they're satiated. One, if you want to stop the craving and you want to stop the obsession and the binge cycle, you've got to draw that line. The problem with the eating disorder community, in my humble opinion, One of the w- is that they, they still believe in moderation, and I don't buy it at all. You, okay. You just an addict cannot do moderation. So one of the ways that you help people beat this food addiction, which I think is more prevalent than probably reported, just because you said it's so secretive and it's so shame based, yes. is drawing a hard line. None of this cheat day or cheat meal or what have nope. you. Drawing a hard line. And then what else? How do you get in there as a coach and help folks that that struggle with, as you say, you know, it, it's these are strong words, addict and disease. Yeah. Yep. I addicts do not like structured discipline and that's a huge part of setting them up for a successful day, one day at a time we do this. So I love creating morning routine and night routine that's curtailed to the the individual and their lifestyle. But, you know, certain habits have to be instilled, like writing your food down every day. Knowing exactly what you're going to eat so you don't spend an hour wandering around the supermarket or looking for what should I eat today um, and, and being inundated with choice. When you write down your food and you've committed it, it's written down on paper, you know exactly what you're eating. Well, it, takes, it frees up a lot of time in your head, frees up a lot of space. And you can also have safety in knowing, well, this is what I committed. I know I have it in my refrigerator. There's no problem. And that's what I'm going to eat. Boom. Um, And a nighttime routine so that, you know, um, a lot of people have difficulty at nighttime. They've spent the night eating. That's a big ritualistic thing. The kids go to bed and they eat, you know, especially moms. Or people are bored and that's how they watch TV. They just eat and they watch TV. It's it's so ritualistic and habitual sometimes, mindless eating. So we set up a nighttime routine. I have them send me their food on a daily basis. And once they get their food kind of down and they know exactly, okay, this is what I can have, this is what I can't have, and they're comfortable with that, things start coming up. And then you realize, well, wow, I'm hungry. I'm hungry normally during this time. Why am I hungry? What, what triggers do I have? What's really going on? Why do I use food to numb right. out? Why do I feel I need it? And we've got to rewire all that, and we've got to introduce new ways and new tools and techniques so that this person who's been using and abusing food most of their life now have another way to deal and cope. If somebody has an addiction that is all-consuming and it is obsession now and every day you wake up to the the thoughts around it, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, how you're going to get away with it, how you're going to lie about it, all of that stuff. It is taking up a lot of time and space, and certainly it might be a defense against deeper emotions that people just don't have the skills or the ability or the capacity to tolerate. And so 
the the education on correct food and non-addictive food one thing but i love that you're going even deeper with folks to say okay what's coming up now so let's take that up because that's the root cause right of any addiction so jennifer i want to get your website out there yeah for the for the listeners um and i'll just spell it because you have a very peculiar last name it sounds ellenbeck like you could spell it seven or eight different ways so it's jennifer so www dot jennifer that's j-e-n-n-i-f-e-r dot com she comes from not only knowledge but her experience and we're we are using heavy words like addict and disease but this is something that certainly is a slippery slope for a poor quality of life and physiological diseases and certainly mental health issues if not corrected